and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday. I can't believe it. It's already the last day of this week. It's fantastic. I'm excited about it for many reasons. Of course, uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Got some stuff going on with the family. Excited about that. But we got rain on our yep. farm too. Rain is just awesome. Uh, and I don't know exactly how much we got because it's been so spotty. Brian, it sounds like anywhere from three-tenths of an inch to seven-tenths of an inch. Uh, I don't care. It's great. The crop looks so much better than it did just a day or two ago. Yep, rain always seems to help. Well, I mean, when you're dry, rain always seems to help. But, yeah, I've been driving through rain most of the day, Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota. So, nice to see a little bit of rain again. Yeah, sure is. And, you know, this time of year, there's lots of questions that come up and it's for it's Farmer Friday. So we have no set topic on today's program. We're just taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show. If you want to talk about how things are going on your farm, that's fine. If you want to ask a question about your crop and what you can do to, to help it out a little bit, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com, which is a great way to send information like pictures, soil tests, tissue tests, those types of things. And Brian, I want to dive right into the mailbag unless you got anything else you want to cover first. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about hail. Is that one of the things you're going to hit in the mailbag or not? Otherwise, <laughs> to bring it up. Well, we've gotten the comment, Brian, a little bit about I'd rather have hail than keep going without okay. catching some rain. Okay, so yeah, this is something that just two days ago I heard a farmer say, and I'm I'm pretty certain I've never heard this in my life, but the guy hadn't had rain all spring, and he goes, I'd rather have hail and get some rain than not have any rain at all. And I just thought about it for a second. I'm like, you know, he's absolutely right. Because if you look at the hail charts, if your crop is small, I don't care what crop it is, if your crop is small and you only lose a small percentage of the leaf surface, you lose no yield. I think with soybeans off the top of my head, I'm just going to say you could lose almost 100% of your leaf surface in the vegetative stages and you're fine. And with corn, it's like 35% all the way up to V6 or V7. Think about that. A third of your leaf surface gone, and right away people panic. And, I, I mean, all week this week I've been getting calls about, well, my corn's dead and i got to replant. And I go, well, show me the pictures. And then I look at it and I go, you aren't even going to have any yield loss. You don't need to replant, and you're going to be just fine. So there, this is one of the things where you just have to say, let's take the emotion out of it. Let's just look at the hail charts, be objective about it. I know it feels bad when you get hail, but if you really needed the rain and you got the rain, you may, may actually come out money ahead by having that little bit of hail because you got the rain. Okay, that's all I wanted to bring up. All right, let's get to the phone lines here. We got Mike over in Minnesota has got some problems with thistles. How are you doing, Mike? Doing great. How are you? Well, I... Uh, the thistle problem, it, it, that's the real deal. I, in fact, Brian and I, one of our great uncles, when we started farming his ground, he said, guys, I've been fighting these thistles for 40 years. Now it's your turn. Uh, are you in that same boat too? You've been fighting these for a while? Uh, pretty much. But I, I noticed last week on your TV show, you guys were talking about thistles. It was your weed of the week. And you had mentioned milestone. Yes. 
I think it was. And then also one other time you had mentioned Freelex. I need something I can spray on them that will not kill the grass. Okay. And where are the thistles where are we at? Talking? Is this a lawn or a pasture? Yeah, it, it's a it's a lawn. And I mean, it's it's a big area that I cut, about two two acres or so that I cut in front of the house. So yep. when I go walking down to the yep. pool, it gets a little hard on the feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hear you. So usually in lawns, we do talk Freelex. That's just the new 2,4-D that doesn't drift all over the place. And you have okay. to hit it hard, and you're going to have to hit it often. So okay. that's the problem. We'll usually say you might have to spray well, possibly as many as, yeah, possibly as much as two or three times a year for two to three years, and then by then the thistle should be all gone. Otherwise, milestone okay. is literally a one-shot, milestone's a one-shot deal. Seven ounces with okay. milestone, but the problem is milestone will kill certain trees. So in pastures, okay. I mean, that's what we tell guys to do. If you've got a thistle problem, you just go spray milestone one time, you are all done, and it's going to leave plenty of residual for probably a couple of years, and you're set. So if you okay. don't have, I don't trees have to worry around, about trees. Yep. Okay. Well, then, then really you should be fine as long as we're calling this a pasture, because I don't think it's technically labeled for a lawn, <laughs> but you can see You're non-crop right. area is probably labeled. So it, it, yeah. you just look at the label, make sure you're following the label. But otherwise, yeah, Milestone's amazing, and it is not a restricted use product. Good. All right. And then there's, I got one more question. Our vegetable sure. garden. I deal with weeds every year. I'm really tired of dealing with weeds. So my my question is, at the end of the season, after I cut down all the corn and the green beans and everything that's in there, can I go along and spray that with Roundup? Yeah. And let it sit at, before I till it up. And then will I need to do yeah. it again in the spring? Yes. Okay. Yep, you will. Roundup has well, no residual once the soil is done. Yep. Okay. Uh, the other. How how big a, how big a garden corn, too, Mike? I should then you could oh. use preen, which would be trifluralin. Yeah, preen in between rows okay. would be fine, other than the way from the corn. But uh, how big a garden is this? It's uh, about sixty feet wide by about two hundred feet long. Ooh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Okay. So so I <laughs> I, I, I bring up this. Yep, I bring up this trifluralin deal. You can look on the label of this product called Preen, but yeah, there are people that will use that. Same thing as old Treflan that we'll use in soybeans. But it, I, I mean, it it will work for many vegetables. Just obviously, that would kill corn and a few other like grass type plants. So yeah, we see Preen, and we also too, but that'd be an option. We also see metallochlor, the active ingredient, and Dual getting used in a lot of gardens too. So those would be the two actives I'd take a look at for pre-emerge. That would wipe out a lot of stuff. And then, yeah, like you say, you could do a burn okay. down with, with Roundup as well. Hey, Mike, we're up against so the break. Next, we can talk just a little bit more ahead. right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Back, it's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, we're talking to Mike from Minnesota here about the garden, about some thistles around the yard, and really common issues. The thistles in the yard, uh, big-time hassle, and we talked about Freelux a little bit, and then we got talking about garden chemicals. Mike, you had a few more questions. Uh, what else was on oh, just, your mind? Just one more. Do they make... Um, um, do they make sweet corn that's roundup ready yes they do they make liberty link sweet they corn do. and roundup ready sweet corn so yeah you got a couple different options there of, so that's something i can spray in the rose post origin yes it is cool and it's tasty i guess that's what i'll be doing next week <laughs> or i mean next year uh, i will say this though mike they don't give it away it's not the cheapest oh i know i but, know uh, they don't give anything away <laughs> no no but it is it is quite tasty. Oh. I will definitely admit to that. Awesome. Well, All thanks, right. Mike. Good Wonderful. luck to you. Well, thanks for your time, guys. You bet. Bye. Ted, uh, um, well, uh, I guess I get a couple emails that came in, too. Uh, we got Jerry over in Montana. Let's get to him first. Uh, Jerry, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Well, we caught just a little bit of rain, so we're pretty excited right now. We haven't got enough rain, but we got some, so that, that gives us hope. How about you? Well, we are um, actually have been doing pretty good, and we caught a shower last night, actually, too, which we're glad to get. We're, we're probably more normal, like what's normal for us is abnormal for you guys over there, so we, <laughs> we're usually looking for rain in this country. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So what do the crops look like? Are they hanging in there pretty well? Crops look really good, actually. Everything looks good. Um, the only things that suffered a little, well, the winter wheat, I'd say there was not a lot of winter wheat in this area, and and probably a fair bit of what was has been sprayed out you know, to be replanted. It just didn't uh, probably get the start it needed last fall and then uh, didn't make it through the winter. Actually, spring is what kills a lot of winter wheat in this country. We break dormancy um, you know, fairly early a lot of times, and then keep getting that freezing uh, weather at night and it just is uh, a lot of times just doesn't make it 
Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I find, too, um, as we head south, we get a lot of questions about winter and uh, how that works with snow melt and everything. But when we talk about Montana, Jerry, a lot of guys think it's all wheat up in your country. They don't realize how many lentils and field peas and chickpeas get get raised in some of the areas. What do you have in the field? What crops do you have this year? Well, right now, actually, I'm spraying uh, chickpeas. I'm sitting in the sprayer. I parked here uh, during our conversation, but uh, we're doing a grass herbicide uh, treatment on our chickpeas right now with some dimmelin in for grasshoppers. And um, we have other, otherwise, we have some lentils, field peas, and spring wheat in. Okay. So uh, with the chickpea spraying, grass herbicide going out now, and you mentioned dimelin for the grasshoppers. How bad is the grasshopper problem this year? You know, it's uh, I, I probably as usual when you, have, when you have a grasshopper epidemic, which is what we had last year, um, it's spotty. But uh, some places there is really hot. I mean, you, you'll see grasshoppers just covering the ground almost in some spots, but Typically, that's um, more in your headlands and grassy areas. Yes, so we've done uh, quite a little border spraying so far. Uh, but the dimelin is uh, is not a quick kill type of thing. It's uh, something that makes the grasshopper slow down and get sick and just uh, slow out their activity. So that's what we try and use in the crop now when we don't really have a, you know, they're not beating on the door devouring the crop. So this will this is more of a control type measure here. You mentioned spraying for grass out there. Do you have many broadleaf herbicides that you can use in crop in chickpeas? Uh, no. Actually, we we don't put anything in crop uh, other than pre-plant. We use uh, Spartan, which yep. does a pretty nice job on most of the things. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't do anything on buckwheat, which... Uh, which can be a real issue in our pulse crops there because it's hard to, well, there's really nothing you can use on that. But uh, hopefully uh, you guys can do a good job of controlling that in the wheat crops. And and what we've tried to do, and, and sometimes it's been hard, uh, given the relatively better profitability of these pulse crops, is better to try and do at least two wheat crops uh, before going back to a pulse just so you can hammer on your broadleafs real good in those uh, years that you have your wheat and uh, that's the time to really control broadleafs. How about in your lentil crop? I've heard a lot of guys talking about flea beetles and other insect problems this year. Has that missed you guys out in Montana or have you had the same thing? You know, um, I haven't heard anything about that yet and um, haven't that, seen that's that. Good. In our, that's good. So uh, yeah, it is good. Um, but uh, yeah, it seems like there's always something you need to keep your eye out for. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the problem. You, you raise a good crop; it's pretty tasty out there for some of these pests. So they're trying, always well, trying to get and, in. And you have some incentive to try and uh, see the crop through when it's raining, and the potential looks good too. So it's uh, it's encouraging at this point, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jerry, thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Hopefully, the good weather keeps coming, and and those crops finish out just as good as they're starting. Thanks a lot. Good luck to you guys too. You bet. Thanks. Really appreciate that. Let's head over to Wisconsin, get our friend Warren on. How you doing, Warren? Hey, Darren, doing great. How about you? Pretty good. Uh, I understand manganese is on your mind. What are you thinking? Yeah, so the question I had was I got some higher organic matter soils. You know, they'll run between 10 and 20% organic matter, you know, about 20, 25 CEC. And so 
I remember out field day like 10 years ago, you guys were talking a lot about base saturation K, and mine was always low in that ground, so I poured the K to it like crazy. I finally got my base saturation at soil up to just a little shy of five. Um, but as I've done that more, it seems like I'm having more and more manganese problems, and I'm just trying to figure out what you guys have found, is the, especially in soybeans, they'll kind of whiten and yellow right up, and you go out and spray manganese on them, and they you know, green back up for two weeks, and they start to lighten up again. I tried manganese sulfate, you know, which is kind of pricey, but um, it is pricey. I can't even get that. To, I, I can't even get that to show up on a soil test <laughs> when you put it out. I did that two years, and you put some out, and it doesn't even show in the soil test results. So it just seems like it's just constantly getting tied up. I don't know if you guys found anything that worked better, or any other products that might be out there that you found that's been better, or what you've seen on your farm. Well, I'll be honest, we don't have any uh, peat soils like that with organic matter levels that high, so we don't have that okay. challenge. So you've got one challenge that, that we don't, um, but we do have some heavier ground, and we have had some issues with manganese, and we switched what soil tests we were doing. to. We switched to the Malik 3 test just because we felt like that was a more accurate read of what we had out there for okay. manganese. So I'll give you an example. We had some ground that I believe we put 100 pounds of manganese sulfate on just yeah, out of complete frustration trying to push the needle and say okay right. can we really do anything here and so we way overdid it and it didn't show up on a soil test at all until we ran the the malik 3 analysis and then all of a sudden we saw oh wow we have 150 parts per million or something out there so oh. <laughs> so it, it was okay. just a, a better extraction method for that nutrient and the malik 3 is a little cheaper than the other soil tests that we were running so we we did make that change just to see where we're at get a better more accurate picture we have had luck using manganese with starter we have had mang like in furrow or two by two. We have had luck okay. with foliar applications, but like you say, you can only push so much in there, and manganese tends to um, stay where it's put. So the new growth a lot of times ends up showing manganese deficiency again. It's like, oh man, I thought we had it beat, and two leaf stages later, it looks like that again. So I think if we can get some down around the uh, the root system, that's our best bet. But you're right. The broadcast okay. applications are so cost prohibitive that, that banding seems to make a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to start trying that because usually I'm spraying it quite often. That doesn't get cheap either. You're spraying four or five times a year trying to keep them greened up, keeping the levels up on in that plant. Does the K level base action, does that have an effect on manganese availability or are those not? We, we did some I guess I should look at the Mulder's chart, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we did some testing on this. And with Mulder's chart, it says there's synergism with manganese and okay. potash. So that's something that... Um, You're getting better. Yeah, it, it could be helping, but uh, you you got some tough soil to work with there. There's no doubt about that. It's um, with all that organic matter tying stuff up. Manganese doesn't tend to move very much either, which is another challenge with that nutrient. Hey, we're up against a break here, Warren. You can hang out if you got more questions. Otherwise, we'll be right back after this. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com.
Are you ready? We got the need! The need for sea treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Tennessee right now. we got Jim on with us. Uh, Jim, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? You know, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. We caught a little bit of rain, and we haven't had any really all season. So we're happy about that. How about you? What's going on down there? Well, I'm going to have to change my dance step because we're missing rains, but we're not terrible dry, but we can be in a hurry if we don't catch some. We're supposed to catch some rain this weekend, so I got my fingers crossed. Sure, sure. Well, you need to cut some hay or something like that. That, that always helps things out. Well, I just got done cutting malt barley, and I'm starting to remember why I hate cutting barley, because it's terribly itchy. <laughs> yes, that's for sure, especially when it's hot and dry out there. Oh, no fun, no fun. Well, what are you working on today? Sounds like you're in the tractor. Yeah, I'm actually planting double crop soybeans behind this malt barley. So, Oh, awesome. Uh, the one thing that I noticed, and I think everybody ought to be aware of it, is 
we germed all our seed beans after we got them, and we got some fairly low germs, a lot lower than what are on the tag. And because of that, we are I've increased my plant population substantially to offset that. We're hoping to have between 110 and 125 viable up, but to do that, typically we plant 140 to 150, and I'm treating beans on 15-inch rows. Um, but like I said, I've got some uh, red bag seed that came, and matter of fact, it came from more than one uh, company, so it's not just one company, and they're in the low 70s. You know what? It was a tough year for seed. We saw this up north with a lot of the early varieties, too. The The heat is what a lot of companies are blaming that on, that, oh, man, it was just so hot last year that they had issues and a lot of areas had drought. One thing that you guys have for an extra challenge uh, in Tennessee, I know talking to a lot of the seed production companies, they say, man, it can be so tough. They have better luck with double crop beans making good seed quality than they do early planted beans. What have you seen? If you've done some germ testing yourself, have you noticed that too? The ones that are raised in double crop do a little better? Most of my beans are either coming out of Arkansas and I think well, the, the tag on the plant and the ones I'm planting now are coming out of Illinois. So okay. I know they were hot and dry last year too. So, you know, I can't really tell you one way or another. It's been so long ago since we had certified seed down here. Everybody is pretty well since Thanks so wind's round up ready, I guess, 25 sure, years sure. ago. Yep, yep. So really, I mean, uh, the local seed really is not uh, being grown down here anymore. Yeah, yep. Yeah, what a what a tough deal, though. Good, kudos to you guys for germing those things out and seeing where you need to be so you end up with a decent stand. I mean, the, the good thing about beans is they kind of fill in if you're short, but that sure doesn't help with weed control. If you run short of a stand, it seems like those pigweeds will find their way right through it. Well, that's one thing that we uh, are pretty happy, you know, I guess five or six years ago, we were terribly concerned that the Palmer was going to take everything, but we've done a good job, and we scout, and uh, it, it really hasn't been a problem. Outstanding. But, uh, you know, for a couple of years there, I picked, I did refuse to pick up a farm that had a lot of Palmer on it because I was afraid that I was going to give it every, uh, take it across my entire farm if I got it. Yeah. And the hindsight 2020, that was a bad idea, but you know how that is. Live and learn. Yep. Yeah, we all got scared about that. We all got scared about soybean rust uh, back in the day, too, yep. that it was really going to take over across the whole country, and that didn't happen. So, yeah, it doesn't doesn't pay. It just pays to work, worry about what you got right now rather than uh, what what could be even worse down the road. Hey, Jim, uh, glad to yep. hear the malt, malt barley crop is done. Hopefully you stop itching soon and you enjoy planting those double crop beans a little bit more. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. Let's head over to Kansas. we got Shane on with us right now. Shane, you guys catching rain, too? We finally caught a little bit up here. Yes, we sure are. I, uh, I'm i so pleased to announce that we we probably, up to this point in the year, had more precipitation than we have all the last year. So That, that, isn't, that isn't saying much, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. We still have a ways to go. Uh, when you start at zero, uh, you know, you, you have a ways to go. Yes, exactly, exactly. So what you working on now? What's happening this week on your farm? Well, since the the sorghum crop is all planted, uh, now we focus on the acres that were failed wheat, trying to keep them from blowing, 
and uh, trying to keep the weed control on, and so that's what we're doing today. Uh, it's a little bit too wet to plow, uh, which is pretty strange, but uh, we're going to get right on that as, as soon as it dries a bit. Hey, talk to us about that sorghum just a little bit. There's a lot of new technologies coming out in sorghum. Uh, are you seeing the the um, consumer on the other end? or Do they have any hesitation about some of the new technologies happening in sorghum? And what do you see just with the sorghum industry in general? Uh, well, you know, I think uh, once you once you stick to a, a thing like, say, uh, uh, having no gluten or uh, having no GMO, um, you kind of try to, you know, that's kind of your flagship after that. And and uh, as technologies come around, it, it's it's something that's a bit of a learning curve. As I talk to folks, it's you know, it's kind of a split deal on, on which way, you know, if you're willing to accept technology and whatnot. Uh, but uh, with all these folks to feed here and more coming, uh, sustainability has to be on everyone's mind. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. You, yeah, you mentioned the gluten-free. I do see a lot of gluten-free flour is, is sorghum-based, and uh, that's got to be a great market. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's uh, really what I do the most of here on my farm are the uh, the high value markets, say uh, human use uh, sorghum. So I'm I'm very into that. I'm very into into feeding the world, if you will, in a in a safe, sustainable way. So as the world evolves, so does the so does the American farmer. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. There's opportunity, and I know uh, we, we were just having a conversation here in in South Dakota where I'm at. There's a new soybean plant going up. There's a new corn plant going up, and growers said, "Man, where are we going to get all this crop?" I'm like, "Right here. <laughs> all you have to do is put a challenge yeah. out for the American farmer. We'll figure out a way to grow it." I I tell you what, I'm I am uh, a very pro domestic end user farmer. I love to see all of all of my my products being used and and turned into something different right here on our on our uh, home front. So as new opportunities evolve and and you know as as things that happen outside of our our area uh, force us to evolve, you know, I I mean I feel like we are up to the challenge as farmers all over the country. And we can keep it going strong. Well, I like sorghum in Kansas, too. It seems to be a good fit with the weather that you guys normally get. Uh, yields, you've got a great shot of having a really good profitable crop. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And as far as production goes, you know, Kansas, it's about 60% of the nation's crop comes right here out of Kansas. And uh, we're pretty proud of that. Uh, I'm a proud proud sorghum farmer we're all dry land here so you know when it comes to fall crop sorghum is the only thing i grow and i'm looking at a at a stand right now on this field uh that i'm next to that looks to me like if we if we get it where everything works out you bet we're going to be looking at 125 to 140 bushels per acre and and i'll tell you what we need every bit of that after the few years we've had we need a bumper crop here to get us back back up on the you know on the playing field yeah you sure do well shane i'm so glad you guys are catching a little bit of moisture this go around and sorry about yeah, the wheat crop yeah. that that didn't work out but uh hopefully hopefully like you say the sorghum crop pays out big this year 
Well, and, you know, we still have a little bit of wheat. We probably have 30% of our wheat crop still out there, and, and some of it looks good. So, you know, we just we all have to keep our head up. You bet. Well, Shane, good talking to you. Good luck here the rest of the season. All right. Good talking to you. Thank you much. You bet. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12-row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day. It's Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open all throughout the show at 844 844- 44 AgPhD, and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to North Carolina. Got one of our favorite guests on. We got Jimmy with us here. How you doing, Jimmy? 
I'm doing good. How about y'all? Pretty good. Pretty good. How's the growing season going for you guys? It's been a little rough. We've had a lot of cool, cloudy rain. Uh, we haven't had a lot of rain. We have a lot of cloudy weather. The crops are growing off really slow. The first corn we planted, the first 30%, we had some real excessive rains and damaged the root system. It's starting to grow out now. Looking a little better. We've had sunshine last week. So things are looking a lot better. Our bean crop looks good. We just finished planting our early beans. We plant a lot of double crop beans, but the early beans are looking pretty good. We got them planted after all the nasty weather, and they've had pretty favorable conditions. Good. We'll probably start harvesting wheat next week. Uh, looking for that, I think that's going to have a good wheat crop, I hope. Yeah, that's awesome. We were just talking to uh, Jerry out in Montana, and he said, yeah, our wheat got uh, winter killed. They warmed up too early in the spring, and then it froze off again. And uh, we were talking to Shane out in Kansas. He said he lost about 70% of his wheat, only had about 30% of that crop left. And uh, and here you are harvesting wheat, Jimmy. So you might be in the catbird seed here. This might be perfect. Well, we, we raised soft red winter, and they raised hard. So the soft red winter has kind of been in the not very aggressive in the market. The price has really dropped off tremendously, but, you know, it's still a multiplication yield times price. And if you can get the yield high enough, you can compensate for the price. So we may be looking for a positive wheat crop. Hopefully we got a lot of high price expenses, fertilizer and chemicals hadn't really started dropping when we was managing the wheat crop so you know we got a probably one of the highest production costs in the wheat crop we've had in a long time I just was meeting with some bankers yesterday, and they were talking about this too, about input costs. And fortunately, uh, nitrogen costs have come back. So he said the the guys in corn were pretty excited that they were talking to that the fertilizer had come down. But you're right, the the early application stuff uh, and, and your wheat that's ready to go now, uh, you were still putting on end when the prices were, were up. So it, what a challenge. And, of course, interest rates. Uh, talking to the bankers, I said, hey, when, when are these interest rates going to come down? And they're like, like, uh, yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> so I know I what you mean. It's it's an expensive problem. crop. Yeah. But, um, I hope the quality, the quality looks pretty good. So we can get quality and we can make, we use a lot of, in the South, we, we use a lot of wheat for turkey feed, you know, in the feed ration. Hopefully we can keep ours to a quality grade that'll make flour. So. We can pick up a little money if we can make flower grades, and then hopefully the bases will start strengthening right now. Not many meals are they very com- com- comfortable now with their with the wheat they think that's going to come in off the combine, so they're not aggressive really baiting on bases. So hopefully, after harvest gets behind us, the bases will firm up some on September wheat and January and February wheat. So. It's going to be one of those years where the better managers are going to really excel and where the guys that's weaker on the marketing plans are probably going to suffer. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, good luck to you, Jimmy, as you get started on that harvest. Hopefully hopefully you get some sunshine as you're doing that. It'll make that harvest go a lot smoother. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> get everything else growing. 
You bet. Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, great talking to you once again. Good luck to you guys here going forward. All right. Thanks for checking in. You bet. Got Travis with us now up in Northeast South Dakota. How you doing, Travis? I'm good. How are you doing today? I tell you what, couldn't be much better. We caught a little bit of rain. Now, it wasn't, I would have loved to have three inches of rain as dry as we are because I'm greedy, but but we'll take the <laughs> half inch maybe that we got and, and smile. That's that's helpful. How about you? Yeah, all same here. We got a little bit of rain here last night and actually it was about, depending on which gauge it was, it was somewhere over an inch to an inch and a half and a half an inch the day before, so... Uh, good Lord blessed us, so we're, we'll take whatever we can get. We were wet this spring, but just like anything else, I'll take what take what good Lord gives us. You know, that was interesting this spring where a lot of guys were talking about, oh, man, uh, your part of the state was going to be really tough and North Dakota was going to be really tough, and, man, a lot of crop got put in. I, I don't know, is there going to be much prevent plant around? You know, there will be some. It will be kind of spotty. You know, we, we'll, we, we're going to have some – Cause it's just not drying up. And then what we got there the last couple of days is it, that kind of put the kibosh to that, but there'll be some, I, I don't think like what you said is there's not going to be nearly as bad. What as they thought we were going to be? We, we, we got in way more than we thought we were going to get a lot more beans than we did corn, but you know, whatever we'll take, whatever we can get planted and, and manage it to get the best crop we can get. So you know, speak about that management. We finally got some days where the wind wasn't blowing 30 miles an hour and we got spraying done. Yeah. How about you guys? Did you get a window like that too? We did. We we were lucky enough that wind has dried everything out and we got a lot more acres planted than we did. And we got it all done and got uh, all the, the uh, soybean prees and all on uh, right afterwards. And and the next day we cleaned it all out, got all the corn done, got a little rain. So now the only thing I got to do right now is catch up on some sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, fortunately we're heading into a weekend and you just got some rain. So you might have a shot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're hoping so. so we're, we're, yeah, we're just finishing up on some projects and get some corn hauled and, and all the, all the things we've put off for the last month. Yeah, so. yeah, no kidding. Did hey, did your corn prees work this year, or were you guys dry after you got stuff in that, that you needed that post-emerge a little early? You know, the we we usually don't do a corn prees. Uh, we do a lot of soybean prees, and they worked really well so far. You know, they, they the burn down looked good, and we nothing's looking like it's coming back, and uh, just being dad and I, we, we usually don't have a lot of weed pressure just because of the, uh, continual, oh, herbicide program, but it was a little hairy for us this year. We had a lot of PP last year and, and I don't know what, what we sprayed on it so far this year. looks like it's killing everything and getting the weeds down and I get a little shot of rain and makes everything perk up. So it's, it's. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I, if I, well, I was thinking about that last night, if I could get more a pre on or, or, you know, before a post, before the corn comes up, I think that would be a, maybe a little better program, but I can't, we can't do everything. Yeah. You might have to clone yourself. Exactly how we want it. Yeah. yeah. I guess I don't think I can get my kids that are <laughs> three years old to run sprayer yet. So. Nope. So, got a few we're, years yet. We're working on it. So, I don't know. Yeah. Some of the stories my dad says about how early they were letting him do stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, maybe it'll yeah. be autonomous vehicles. Maybe that'll be your answer. Mm-hmm. Hey, you never know, you know, we're, 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 I think we're heading that way to some degree, even if it's, you know, 
something something following me or yeah it's gonna i don't be it'll be an interesting where technology takes us here in the next 10 years been an interesting ride for the last 10 just where it oh, went no kidding so, no and, kidding hey speak it, about yeah. uh speak about young people what do you see in your area are young people uh coming back to the farm or what's the trend right now you know i i think they kind i i think if they have if they see the opportunity uh they're they're taking it you know and there's even kids there like in the like the high school uh that are going out to become agronomists you know and then or are going to school for it you know so that's a you know and their parents don't have real any true you know ties to agriculture and and like the the like for me you know or guys around my age a lot of them are they're back on the farm and 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 looking at it as an opportunity, I feel like for us, I think if, if you grew up on the farm, you have a way better chance to come back there. Even if you go to school and, you know, work for somebody for a while, you know, and it seems like more if you, if you grew up in town, but you, you still farm, you, you don't seem to, you know, yeah. want to have that as much of a drive. It's, that's not always true, but it's just, I don't know, it just kind of seems more that way yeah i know we're but, seeing more more farm kids down here getting back in and man is that a good thing to see hey hey travis we gotta let you run hopefully that rain continues for you guys so you can finish this crop out thanks for for talking to us really appreciate it stay tuned we'll be right back when we told growers that new bear premium trifold herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks they were a bit skeptical um We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com.
Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is time for the Ag PhD mailbag. Our phone lines are still open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to dive into some of the emails that have come in at radio at agphd.com. All right, Brian, ready for a drainage question here? This one's going to be a little different. Uh, this one comes from, comes from Lucas down in South Texas, and he said, Guys, I've got some questions about drainage. And I'm in a slightly different situation than you guys are. I manage a turf grass farm. I've been working with Neil Kinsey on soil sampling. I've got real high calcium. I've got exchange capacities at 30 or even more and a pH around 8. And I've got some things building up here that drainage might be able to help. Uh, Just kind of curious. We've got compaction issues. What do you think on a turf grass farm? What would you do if you had a CEC around 30? You had irrigation with hard water, so you're probably adding to the problem. So what's what's really his question here? Can he do? Can he put tile in? Yes. Sure, you can put tile in anything. The only question is, with perennial grass, is it is that tile going to get plugged up? And then the other thing is, when they're doing turf grass, they're going to strip off some of the topsoil from time to time. So, in other words, if you put your tile line in at, let's say, three feet, well, eventually that tile is only going to be a foot and a half deep, maybe. So, I mean, granted, it'd take a while to get there, but it could happen. So, if that's the case, and if it's going to be long-term turf grass, what would I do? Sure, I'd tile. I'd probably just put it in a little bit deeper, and then I would take a hard look at all the things that Neil Kinsey's going to talk about, just like we talk about balancing the soil nutrients and working on getting better porosity into that soil so the excesses can flush out, things like sodium, salts, magnesium, all that kind of stuff. And you may need some more sulfur to flush some of those things out. Without looking at the soil test, I can't tell you, but... Yeah, if I had it, would I do it? Of course I would. I mean, tile pays. Now, as I say that, the heavier the ground, the more tile you're going to need. And so if you want to start by, hey, let's just do one area where, let's say, my drainage is maybe worse, my problems are worse, whatever, and you start with something small that can be expanded, that's a good way to get into it for not a lot of dollars, and then you can prove it to yourself. Hey, over time, is this worth it or is it not? So if you're concerned, that's what I would do. 
Awesome. Thank you for the question, Lucas. Doing a good job getting samples uh, pulled, samples on the water too. I think that's really important to look at. And I know sometimes guys will look at, well, can I treat the water? And many of the guys that are that are irrigating like that say, man, if I could just improve drainage, maybe I can flush a lot of that stuff through. And that would be something to watch here as, as you go on year to year. Is that pH rising? Is it staying pretty stable? Uh, are you having anything else build up? But Getting drainage will, will definitely help you on that compaction end of things, too. Hey, Brian, get a herbicide question from Jason over in Minnesota. He said, I want to spray status for my post-emerge broadleaf control. However, I would like to mix a group 15 with it. On the label, uh, according to BASF, Zidjuus can be mixed, but it's quite pricey. I'm wondering why I can't use the other <laughs> group 15s why is zidua the one that's labeled with status and then also uh i i noticed because they're both bsf products that's why yeah i said i do have uh, one hay field that i planted into corn uh, it was a mix of grass and alfalfa and i had sprayed verdict and power max which took care of what's there now but i'm coming back uh in two to three weeks here with the status and the mix so just just curious what i could mix in there safely and um I'm trying to think if he had anything else. He said, oh, uh, he said, also, other plant growth regulators are not recommended with status. Is that legit, too? Right. That That is legit. Yeah, you do not want to put more plant growth regulators on there. Uh, keep in mind, with status, what it is, it's two things. It's diflufenzapyr, which is not in anything else. It's in a group all by itself. There's no resistance to this particular chemistry, and this is why status is the best broadleaf herbicide there is in corn, and it's not even close. But the other component to it is, is dicamba. And if you're using, let's say, the 5-ounce rate, which would be considered a two-thirds rate of status, which is what most people do, then you're going to get the equivalent of about 4 ounces of old Banville or Clarity. So you got a little bit of dicamba, and dicamba is a growth regulator. So we, we just we don't like doubling up on growth regulators. We don't want to overdo stuff. There's the right amount of growth regulator in there to make the appear work faster and better. So, yeah, do not put any more growth regulator with that. Be really careful what you're doing anytime you've got dicamba or 2,4-D in the tank. Brian, we had a few questions come in around Liberty and the generic version interline. Oh, if I didn't, if I didn't properly answer that question, uh, that. It, I, we, we've seen guys do about any group 15 mixing can be an issue from time to time but you could throw about any group 15 you want in there and zidua or i mean instead of zidua so it's up to you okay what were you saying about interline okay next question uh we've, we've had a number of guys here that have asked about liberty and the generic version called interline do you see performance issues are they about the same in the field and then could you potentially even mix them if you had a little bit left of one or the other uh, about the same in the field and could you mix them in a spray tank yes you just don't want to mix them in a bulk tank otherwise you could the inert ingredients are different enough that it's not going to look good it might not mix well you're going to go oh no it looks bad set it out in the sun agitate it a bunch and hopefully it'll be better but just avoid all those problems by use up all of whatever you had before liberty or interline and then fill up your shuttle with a hundred percent of the new stuff whichever you choose 
and then you're good. And same thing with the sprayer out in the field. If you go, well, I got 10 gallons of this one to use up, and I got 100 of the other stuff, just use up the old 10 gallons, go spray a short load, and then come back and fill up with all of the other stuff. That's going to prevent any problems for you. Might not be an issue, but we've seen a few cases where it is. Yeah, why well, take the chance? It's not worth it. Uh, okay, got this one came from John over in Maryland asking about the, the smoke coming out of Canada. He said, I, obviously, you guys are aware of the, all the smoke coming from Canada across the eastern part of the United States right now. What impact, if any, do you think this wildfire smoke is having on our crop? Almost nothing. It's going to impact it slightly. It's going to cool the overall temperatures down. It's going to reduce the amount of sunlight you're going to get, but it's only for maybe a couple, three days. So if that's all it is, in the grand scheme of things, it's really no big deal. When you look at, like, let's say volcanic eruptions, and there is ash in the sky for months, that's a big deal. And when it spreads all over the world, that's a really big deal. But, yeah, usually the smoke thing, it lasts a day or two or maybe three, and it's gone, and you, you don't really see a whole lot of difference. I, I don't think we're going to have much, much problem at all. All right. I got a question that came in from Michael. He said, about 10 years ago, I put a ton of gypsum, gypsum on a lawn trying to break up the clay a little bit and soften things up. However, uh, a couple of years ago, I realized this was the wrong answer. The soil test said my base saturation calcium is now over 90% in this area, uh, and it's hurting my <laughs> yep. potassium uptake. What would you do in this particular situation? Okay. So... Could you flush the excess calcium out of the soil? It's hard. Um, honestly, and I, I hate to even say this, but excess nitrogen can strip calcium out. But you really don't want to do that because environmentally that's not great. So what would I do? Oh, I'd raise everything else. I'd just figure, all right, my calcium's kind of set. I'm not going to try to flush it out with excess nitrogen and be environmentally irresponsible. Instead, I'm just going to add more magnesium if I need to. I'll add some more potassium. I'll add more of whatever I have to to get everything else in balance and work around that. But he brings up an excellent point. A lot of times we talk about things or agronomists or just farmers talk about, well, I use this product and it's great. Okay, if it's soil and you can test that soil, which you can, test it and then let's find out. Okay, I know for the neighbors that might have worked, but will that work for me? And if he would have already looked at his soil test and gone, oh, wow, I already have 80% calcium, well, then you would know putting gypsum on there is not a good plan. So anyway, it's just it's one of those things where we have information, we can make better decisions. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Just wanted to remind you of a couple things coming up. Our Scouting and Scholarships event is Saturday, June 24th. Still time to pre-register for that. And, of course, the Ag PhD Field Day is Thursday, July 27th. Look forward to seeing you all there. Thanks for listening to our show. Join us again each weekday.